Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, brought to you by Morgan Stanley. Today is Friday, February 12th. The week is winding down. Mount Everest is rising up. Literally, it just got taller. And we're focused on what went wrong with the vaccine rollout. This Sunday marks the two-month anniversary of the first American to receive an FDA-approved vaccine for COVID-19. And according to the CDC, around 35 million Americans have received doses since then. That means just over 10% of the U.S. population has gotten jabbed, with around one-third of that 35 million getting their second dose. On the one hand, that's obviously wonderful news. 35 million people with at least partial protection primarily comprised of healthcare workers, older Americans, and of course, politicians. On the other hand, though, that's only 35 million people. Remember, the Trump administration, Operation Warp Speed, had promised 100 million Americans would be vaccinated by the end of February, and we're not going to get close, even at our accelerated rate. In fact, we're not even at the point where 100 million doses have been delivered to the states. And of the doses that have been delivered, an extraordinarily high percentage remain in storage, as state and local distribution plans have been beset by bureaucratic and technological blunders. I mean, if you know any senior citizen who has tried to make a vaccination appointment, you have heard the frustration. So today we want to talk to Kat Ferguson, an investigative healthcare journalist who just wrote a piece for MIT Tech Review titled, What Went Wrong with America's $44 million Vaccine Data System? We'll get the answer to that question in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Kat Ferguson, an investigative healthcare journalist. So Kat, let's start with the obvious question here. What was the $44 million system? Who made it? Who paid for it? And how did it come to be? So the process of scheduling a vaccine and going into the doctor and actually getting one and then, you know, the government knowing who actually got that vaccine, it seems fairly straightforward, but the problem is there are a billion different systems in the United States that connect all of those pieces together. So the CDC came in and said, okay, we have all of these different state registration systems. We have all of these different healthcare record keeping systems at all these different hospitals. So we are going to hire this company, Deloitte, which is a big federal contractor, and we are gonna pay them. Initially, they paid them $16 million. And they said, you know, go forth and set it up, connect all of the dots for us. And so that was a really good idea. That is absolutely something that needed to happen because we don't have a unified healthcare system in the United States. We have a million different tiny silos and you need, you know, a big dog to come in and connect all the pieces together. Deloitte, you're right. Huge consulting firm, not who you usually think of as kind of, you know, the smartest tech company in the stack, at least in the United States. Was there competition for this? And why Deloitte as opposed to, I don't know, uh, you know, Google, Microsoft, companies like that? There was not open competition under COVID because it's a, a federal emergency. You're actually not required to go through the normal bidding process that would allow for competition. So also the reason that you're not going to have Google is because Deloitte has an entire section of the company that is dedicated to getting federal contracts. So Google does not have the same thing. They are not completely built out as a federal contractor first and a tech company second, which is what Deloitte is. So Deloitte does have a whole bunch of healthcare IT people working there. They do have a lot of people there who specialize in that. But obviously, again, a huge part of their 
entire business model is getting federal contracts. So they get the original contract in May and they start building this system. Obviously, there's not FDA approved vaccines until late December. But when do they kind of start to release, if not proof of concept, but kind of the initial beta versions of this for states or municipalities or or public health departments to take a look at? So over the summer and in the fall, a couple of states were allowed to take a look at VAMS, sort of kick the tires. Um, And I don't think that any of them ended up actually using VAMS once vaccines were approved. VAMS is the Deloitte system. Why didn't they use it? This is the system the federal government just paid, as you said, to pull all these disparate systems together. They look at it and say, no, thanks. That is exactly what they did. Yeah. And I think that it makes sense, given what happened with the states that actually chose to use it. For lack of a better term, what's the problem with VAMS? There are a lot of problems with VAMS. A big problem with it is just the difficulty of data entry on the part of clinics. There are also a lot of problems with scheduling. So sometimes hospitals will have to adjust something about the schedule and the system will just cancel all the appointments that happen after that thing that they just adjusted. It's also very labor intensive, as I said, on the part of the clinical staff. There are just a whole lot of things that you have to enter and it takes a lot of time. And then on the part of individuals, you're talking about vaccinating older people who are probably on older technology. They might be using Internet Explorer, which VAMS does not work on at all. There's just a lot of little complex parts that for a younger person might just seem intuitive, but for an older person, it's just not going to happen. Was VAMS to a certain extent the end user? So if I am a 75-year-old person who is on a PC using Windows Explorer, Internet Explorer, which lots and lots of people are, are you saying I wouldn't have been able to even make an appointment via my computer? I would have had to ask someone else to help or download a new browser? That is correct. It does not work on Internet Explorer. Okay, so if states over the summer and early fall start saying thanks, but no thanks, you talked about how Deloitte initially gets the $16 million contract. They obviously get more money later. Is there nobody at CDC who says who throws up a giant red flag and said this doesn't work? Scrap it again. Call Google or somebody call Amazon, call somebody else. To be honest, I'm not sure what happened within the CDC side, but procurement is really too complicated, especially at the federal level. Just the way the contracts are structured makes it incredibly difficult to back out of one in the middle. It's interesting, though. It seems like this procurement system or this procurement process, rather, went through kind of normal government channels for procuring an IT system, whereas on the vaccine side, they created an entirely different you know, protocol and on-ramp, because I mean, under normal conditions, we would have never gotten a vaccine approved as fast as we have or developed or funded as fast as we have. Absolutely. We threw an enormous amount of money into getting a vaccine. We paid hundreds of millions of dollars to companies that are never going to produce anything at all. And then the federal government paid so little attention to actually getting vaccines to individuals at the local level. It just seems like a complete failure. There's this other system, and you talk in the story about how for some of the states that decided not to use VAMS, they went to this other system called PrepMod, which is quasi-private. It was, I guess, originally developed by Maryland, I think, public health officials, but then becomes commercialized. We had on the CEO of a company called Carbon Health a couple of weeks ago, which is now helping to run the system in LA. He said when California picked PrepMod and he looked at it or his you know, engineers looked at it, he said it took them a couple hours to realize it was going to break quickly. I guess I keep going back to how did the public health officials not realize these systems were going to break before rolling them out and saying, this is how we're going to vaccinate our population? Carbon Health has the benefit of coming from a tech background, which CDC procurement officers are not coming from a tech background, right? 
So when they're looking at something, they're saying, does it meet these requirements that we have set forth? They're not saying, what is the UX of this, right? They're not thinking about it from the perspective of a software engineer. And so that is just a giant gap in the way we actually build IT systems at the federal and state level. Okay, we are now, uh, actually, come Sunday, we are technically two months after the first person got vaccinated in the U.S. with an FDA-approved vaccine. Is it getting better, the process, the tech process, the appointment process, the scheduling, the tracking, all of it? Has it improved? Yes. I think that everything has improved, thankfully, slowly but surely. And I also think that as things roll out to younger people in the population, there will be a much higher tolerance for, you know, crappy scheduling systems. But yeah, I mean, just in terms of streamlining, right, things were so chaotic at the beginning. Nobody knew, when am I getting a vaccine? Clinics didn't know when they were getting vaccine. They were sort of sitting around being like, maybe it's today. It was just so complicated. But some of that's still going on, right? I mean, you're still, I mean, I, I was watching my, I'm up in Boston. I was watching my local news the other night and the mayor of a town, Burlington, Massachusetts, was talking about how they keep scheduling people, seniors for appointments because they keep getting told they're going to get a hundred doses. Doses don't show up. They cancel the appointments. They schedule them again. Doses don't show up. They cancel the appointments. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of mess on both the side of scheduling people and getting them to a clinic. And then also on the side of having enough vaccine and sending all those vaccines to states, things are certainly not a smooth process. And part of that is obviously production issues. I mean, this is a type of vaccine that's never been mass produced before. This isn't uh, kind of a, an academic thing, right? When the system doesn't work well and, you know, millions, tens of millions of people fewer have been vaccinated today than had before, that means more people are going to get sick. It's just how it is. Does Deloitte face any repercussions for basically building a not great system? I don't think that they do. I've, certainly there is public outrage, which is not great for their business. But no, I don't think that there are any significant repercussions for building a piece of broken software. Actually, you might get more to fix it. Kat, final question for you of this process of the kind of the tech data capture scheduling center of the, of the COVID vaccination tech process. What's the one big question you still have that you're trying to answer? I would love to know who knew somebody at Deloitte right? Or who knew somebody at any of these companies that got massive contracts? Because when you have a no-bid process, it's because you already know the people and you already think they can do an okay job or you want to give them a contract. So I'd love to know who in there actually made these things happen. Kat Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome back. What we're watching today is White House policy toward Chinese tech companies, which is, in a word, unsettled. Earlier this week, the Biden administration said it's reviewing the entirety of Trump-era policies towards Chinese tech, many of which were based on national security concerns. And yeah, that includes the mandate that TikTok be sold by China's ByteDance or else be shut down. In fact, the Biden administration just asked the federal court to delay litigation related to TikTok. Well, while it figures out what the hell is going on. Why it matters is we know very little about Joe Biden's view toward Chinese tech in the U.S even in areas where there's bipartisan support. For example, he never publicly opined on the TikTok ban or divestiture requirements, but last July did tell his campaign staff to take the app off their phones. The bottom line is this isn't academic foreign policies. Real decisions about real companies with real employees need to be made and made soon. So far, though, there isn't much indication as to what those decisions will be. And finally, we're watching Mount Everest because it just got taller. Seriously, it just got taller. Okay, not by much, just by two feet. 
according to a year-long joint survey by China and Nepal, apparently caused by some shifting of the Earth's tectonic plates. So if you climb Everest now, you've got two feet on Sir Edmund Hillary. And thank you to our listener, Michael Scoggs, for sharing that with us. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national plum pudding day. And we'll be back Tuesday with another Axios Recap.